0: Thanks to Slack for supporting Industry Focus. Slack is a collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people in your team are always in the loop, and key information is always at their fingertips. You can learn more at slack.com. Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, December 14th, and we're talking holiday gifts. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com's Dan Klein. Dan, what's going on?
1: Oh, hey there, Dylan. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm feeling the holiday spirit a little bit. I'm starting <laughs> starting to get ready for the uh, the onslaught of gifts and eggnog. How about yourself?
1: I was going to say I saw you Monday. You didn't look that festive, <laughs> to be honest. What a
0: transformation <laughs> can happen in a couple of days, right? Uh, now,
1: now you're wearing like the ugly sweater. You've got like a uh, garland on and things like that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, full spirit. If you could see the video, Dan, you would know. Um, Dan I think the goal today is we're going to talk some some hot holiday tech gadgets, some gifts and uh, you know what they might mean for the companies that make them. Before we get into that though, what was your favorite gift growing up? What was the thing that you look back on and say, you know that was that was me as a kid just living the dream?
1: So it's always embarrassing to me when I bring up something that you probably won't even remember, (laughs) but my, by far best gift ever was the Atari 2600. And, and for one reason, Pac-Man previously Atari 2600 games, which I didn't have one when it first came out, they were very blocky. They were sort of like extended versions of Pong. they, they, they weren't games like you had in the arcade or in my case, the hockey rink where there'd be like four or five video games. So being able to play realistic Pac-Man at home, I think my brother and I, and I have no idea how old I was, maybe like eight or nine, maybe a little older. We probably stayed up to like four in the morning just playing. And I would say it was about 75% as good as the arcade. And then maybe a year later when Miss Pac-Man came out, it was the first like, wow, this is exactly the same. Uh, How about you?
0: Uh, Well, you know, for me, it's kind of similar. I'm also going to go with the video game space, slightly different generation of video (laughs) games. Um, For me, it was always the most recent update of the Madden franchise. I was a huge fan of EA Sports' Madden games, and I had uh, an aunt that always got it for me. It was just kind of the old, reliable Christmas gift coming in. Uh, Producer Austin Morgan, what was your favorite gift as a kid? I think the
2: best gift that I got, I think I was like 13. And it was a shot in the dark kind of like, oh, this would be sweet to have. It was a uh, gas-powered scooter that went like 30 miles an hour. I don't think my mom knew how fast it went, (laughs) but she got it, and it was... Well used, I'll say.
0: <laughs> well used. Well, you were ahead of the curve. Now we see all of these scooters are so popular on sidewalks in Washington D.C. They would not be popular if they were these because it was loud,
2: <laughs> and all of my neighborhood hated it because I would just ride it after school for hours.
0: <laughs> well, you were you were ahead of the curve. They just had to make the switch to electric, right? Yeah, which is
2: nowhere near as fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's funny that we both mentioned video games as being things that. We enjoy from the past because two of the things that we're going to focus on are in that space, Dan. And and why don't we start with the Nintendo Switch? I'm sure that this is something that is on a lot of holiday wish lists this year.
1: It, it is. And, and let me tell you, so not only was I an early adopter of the Switch, I actually paid slightly extra. You remember when there was a shortage of it uh, a holiday season ago? Mm-hmm. I actually paid not a lot extra, but maybe $15, 20 extra to get one for my son, thinking that this would be the video game system that brought the whole family together. <laughs> um, in reality, it perhaps brought my son and I together a little bit. We'll, we'll play some Splatoon. We'll play Mario Kart. My wife perhaps played one round of Mario Kart, but... The the Switch, we'll get into the business aspects of it later. It is what it promises to be. It is a game system that does not require a high level of learning. You can pick up most of the games and just sort of play them and have them be fun. A lot of the games don't give you a huge advantage for being younger and good at gaming. Now, that's not to say Fortnite is on the platform. Uh, There are lots of traditional games on the platform. But a lot of the Nintendo software is sort of this just like, hey, it's fun video game system.
0: And that's what Nintendo has been so good at for such a long time, right? Like they have been able to make these very accessible games. I think the Wii is kind of the perfect example of that.
1: Yeah, this is the real successor to the Wii because when the Wii came out, it was the video game system that you didn't buy it instead of the current Xbox or PlayStation. You bought it in addition to. And if you had kids, you could play with little kids. And if you had, like, your friends over, like, you could play, like, Wii Tennis or something and, and you know, have it be a little bit of fun. The console after that, the Wii U, was just too complicated. It kind of overshot things. It was It's sort of a variant of what the Switch is. But what the Switch is is it has... A portable screen you can play sort of like a tablet hold it up in front of you two screens on the two controllers on the side You can also put it on a stand and use that screen or you could plug it into your TV So it makes it this incredibly versatile game system and honestly It's fun to play in the TV, but it's also really fun to play like in the backseat of the car, too.
0: And this is the console that Nintendo really desperately needed. You know, you mentioned (laughs) that they overshot with the Wii U and maybe didn't quite nail the functionality. Uh, We're seeing already that the Switch is selling quite well. It's already outsold the Wii U, and it looks like the holiday season is going to be blockbuster for this
1: console. So this was a game saver for Nintendo. They were downplaying it, but the reality was the Switch is about 70% of their sales, and sales have skyrocketed. And what happened was they were looking at getting out of the console business. When the Wii U failed, you started hearing a lot more talk about them licensing to other platforms. I mean, Nintendo owns very strong IP, but it's hard to think that Nintendo games on Xbox or PlayStation were going to sell as well as they do on their own dedicated platform, where each release is a very, very big deal. So this this was kind of a last chance. And it came out strong, but last year when it sold two or three million units and there were shortages, that said, OK, there's a hardcore Nintendo base. What we didn't see until this year is this year it's on track to sell about 20 million units The fastest video game console to sell 20 million units And that puts it well ahead of where PlayStation 4 and Xbox One were at the same place in their development So if you assume maybe an eight-year lifespan on a console Maybe even a little longer That gives Nintendo six, seven more years to to ring out some life from this And maybe figure out what the successor to it is
0: yeah, and you you mentioned that seventy percent figure of their top line being switch related. That's a blend of hardware sales and console and uh, software sales. Uh, so this is the kind of thing where you get that installed base, and then you can just enjoy the fact that they're there, right? You can sell them games, you can work within <laughs> yeah. the Nintendo universe, but you can also bring other stuff into the
1: mix. Up until this Christmas, when they'd sold some limited Mario Kart bundles and and maybe a couple of other game bundles, when I bought my Switch, it came with nothing. (laughs) So if you assume that that the uh, console makers break even on the console... I had to immediately go out and buy a game, and I would say I probably immediately went out and bought four or five games, um, and have since bought you know maybe another five or six this year. So it, it's an absolute money maker because something like Mario Kart, it's it's a lot like Madden. You can't put a new one out every year, but if you put a new Mario Kart out every three years, people are going to buy it. the The big hit right now is a uh, Super Smash Brothers, which is obviously another sequel, and then they have two Pokemon games, and not only are those outselling previous Pokemon games they're drawing in some of the adult audience that plays Pokemon go uh, I play Pokemon Go but have not bought the switch game yet though
0: yeah and and this is the hit that Nintendo desperately needed Dan you know you look back at this company and they they struggled for quite some time I think you you mentioned before they were kind of lost a little bit uh, over the last couple of years the points of enthusiasm for them have been the Pokemon go craze. Which hit in 2016. And you look at Nintendo stock, and there's a distinct spike right around where that started to catch <laughs> on. Uh, and I think what people quickly realized was well, you know what? This doesn't quite have the staying power that we thought it might. Uh, I think it's really good for Nintendo that they have this new flagship console. And by all indications, sales look
1: great for it. Well, do you remember the Sega Genesis? Are you? old enough to remember that one?
0: My first console that I owned was a PS2. And the reason for that, yes, I'm younger than you, Dan, but the reason for that was my parents insisted that I had to buy my own first console. Uh,
1: Okay. Well, so in 1991, when I was in college, 91 to 95, the Genesis was pretty much the dominant console. It's what we played Madden on, and that was absolutely the dominant game. And the sequels to that failed and if you look at where sega is where it's basically owns a little intellectual property and it's kind of just a game brand i'm not even sure how the ownership works anymore that nintendo would have been a bigger version of that i mean it has stronger licensing power the upcoming uh nintendo lands at universal studios obviously they're going to bring in some money but you know the the 3ds is kind of a slowly dying system nintendo might have been just an intellectual property and a software company
0: and look what they've managed to do. I think safe to say that if you see Nintendo Switches outpacing even the estimates, which are pretty impressive, uh, it's going to mean good things for Nintendo down the road, huh?
1: Absolutely. And they honestly haven't even gotten to the life cycle where PS4 and Xbox One now cost much less than they did at launch. You got some bundle deals this holiday season, and maybe some uh, gift card back deals, but you are not getting much in the way of of deal. And the whole online universe for the Switch has just barely launched, so that's going to be a revenue center as well.
0: All right, Dan, we can't talk holiday gadgets without doing a little bit of an update on Amazon devices, right? I mean, if you go over to Amazon and you look at the best-selling stuff, it's a lot of Amazon devices.
1: I think nine of 10 over uh, the the five-day Thanksgiving sales period from Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday. I mean, this was the first year, and, and I'm speaking very anecdotally. You you and I put together a lot of the Black Friday coverage. This is the first year that, that Amazon just unabashedly p- pushed its own products. like They want you to have an Echo or or, uh, an Alexa-enabled Fire TV product, and the deals were incredible. $24 Echo Dots. And I don't know about you, I have three bedrooms and five Echos.
0: Yeah, I I don't actually have any smart home devices. I still am slightly wary of the security issues and the (laughs) invasiveness of having these devices in my home. But uh, there are a lot of people who have made that plunge, and you look at that price point, especially compared to some of the other players in this space, Amazon has made it so cheap and so easy to have a fully integrated, full-house,
1: smart home solution. Except, and I think it's a big except, is most people aren't using it as Amazon would like you to use it. Um, I know, so I bought the first full-size Echo. It was $99 for Prime members. That's still the one in my kitchen. Uh, And I have Echo Dots in every other room in my house. And I use them 99% as stereos you know alexa could you play bruce springsteen alexa could you play buffalo tom whatever it is i might listen to a podcast i might ask for the weather i am not using a single smart home feature i've maybe used the motley fool alexa skill a handful of times because i know it exists but this idea that Amazon wants you to say like, Alexa, please replace my paper towels. That just hasn't happened yet. So yes, they're dominating the the sort of hardware market, the install base, but it's not driving sales yet. Way to
0: sneak a Motley Fool flash briefing <laughs> plug in there. I appreciate that, Dan. Yeah.
1: I, 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 get a, I get a mug from Chris every time I do that.
0: <laughs> so. I, think, I think the struggle really is that um, voice search isn't, Quite there yet? You know, I think uh, ideally Amazon would like to see people using this for commerce, right? Like that's kind of the natural next step of this. But there's also this possibility that voice search really takes over what mobile search has become, where we have all this information at our fingertips. The difficulty is, you know, rendering results for voice search is a lot is a lot different, and it's not nearly as lucrative for businesses because it's harder to serve up ads.
1: And Amazon is also competing with itself. So I order from Amazon this time of year, maybe twice a day between random gifts and stuff I figure I need. And when you go into the app on your phone, you can type in whatever it is – wireless headset and see exactly what you're getting. So you won't accidentally, you know, in my kitchen if I say Amazon reorder spaghetti sauce, maybe it buys the spaghetti sauce my wife likes and not the one I want. Uh, that's very easy to do on a phone. There's not really a driving incentive for me to do it via voice search. So it might be something that, you know, maybe my son that when he gets sort of buying power would be more willing to do that in his room. I hear him doing more ridiculous, you know, Alexa searches than maybe I do. Um, And I'd like to have a smart home, but it still feels like a gimmick to me to just say, like, Alexa lights on. Like, my light switch is right when I walk in. I, I don't need that.
0: The way I'm looking at this from a big picture strategy perspective is Amazon is getting the devices in people's homes and getting people used to interacting with them I think that they know that it's a long putt to get them to the point where they're really using stuff in a way that's profitable for the business. They probably about break even on a lot of these devices that they sell. And if it means that you know, they're a little bit more engaged with the service, maybe they wind up ordering a little bit more on Prime because they own those devices, uh, then that's a nice kind of cherry on top. But for them, this is a long bet on smart home and just being the installed player there.
1: I agree. And by moving early, you know they sort of priced everybody else out, um, you know, Apple, it's hard to compete with the iPhone because of the base it has. Amazon really came to this first, and it's cheap, and I don't think you can do better. I mean, the the Apple HomePod is dramatically more expensive, hundreds of dollars more expensive, and there is nothing it can do. Maybe the audio quality is a little better, but I love my Echo. I mean, I, I didn't, when I moved from Connecticut to Florida, I didn't bring my stereo because the Echo was, was more than good enough.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I would so- uh, strongly disagree with that. <laughs> uh, audiophile Austin Morgan has some fighting words for your audio opinions. If you're
2: using your Alexa to tell your stereo what to play, great. But the, those dots sound like garbage.
1: <laughs> no, not the dot. The full-size echo. Still
0: garbage. (laughs) Well, Austin might be a bit of an audio snob. Uh, If you guys wouldn't mind going back to your respective corners, uh, we are going to talk about one more holiday gift. But before we get over to that discussion, I want to thank Slack for supporting Industry Focus. Slack is a collaboration hub for work, whatever work you do. With Slack, the right people in your team are kept in the loop, and the information they need is always at their fingertips. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels, and they let you organize conversations and information around projects, offices, and teams, because everything you need to work on is in one place. helps you get things done faster and easier. I, for one, love Slack because of the quick back-and-forth that it allows for. It makes file sharing really easy. It makes it easy to game plan. Dan and I were going back and forth on Slack before we started doing this show, making revisions to the outline, making sure we were on the same page about what we were going to be covering. All of that made so much easier because we could do it Instantly. With Slack, your team is better connected. If you want to find out more, you can go to slack.com. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. All right, you guys settled down? Can can we get on to the second (laughs) half of the show? Um, All right, Dan, we got one more to touch, and this is going back to the video game space and Red Dead Redemption. Uh, This is, I, I think, really kind of like the Chinese democracy of video games. It was this long-awaited, you know, a lot of hype yeah, except, built up around it. <laughs> except it's a hit. That's that's true. Yeah, I think it is hard to argue that this is a wildly successful game. Uh, for the unfamiliar, Red Dead is from uh, video game company Take Two uh, in collaboration with Rockstar, one of their subsidiaries, and this was released in late October, a little bit before the holiday season. But we got a glimpse of some of the success that it had already in some conference call conversations with management. And I'm just gonna drop a couple quotes here. Uh, One of them from the most recent call The title has set numerous records, including achieving the biggest opening weekend in the history of entertainment with over 700 million in retail sell through during the first three days. Red Dead Redemption 2 sold more in units in its first eight days than the original blockbuster Red Dead Redemption sold in its first eight years. And just to kind of back that up a little bit more. As of today, the title has sold over 17 million units worldwide. This is a wildly successful game. I think, given the launch time, a lot of the people that are hardcore fans and really wanted it probably already have it. But I imagine that this is something that a lot of people are still asking for for the holidays.
1: Just think about where that number would place it on movie releases. It would make it a top five film release this year, and it's going to well surpass that. Um, I think what's really interesting about Red Dead Redemption, and I will be honest, I am not capable of playing games like this. I have a (laughs) 14-year-old, and that's how I know these things. But we're starting to see this new genre of games where the game comes out, and then it continues to develop. What's been very interesting about the Red Dead sort of launch cycle is there's actually been some pushback from the hardcores on on the gameplay, on the sort of money-earning system in the game. And they've actually made some changes to, to – so these games are kind of fluid now where they have a two- or three-year lifespan. We know there's paid downloadable content. You can buy deluxe editions where you you get all of that for a year and things like that. But they're actually making some core changes to the gameplay based on some of the early feedback.
0: Yeah, and more and more, we are seeing the video game publishers focus on the microtransactions that can happen within games uh, and some of these add-ons that happen in the online worlds for these games. I think Red Dead Redemption is a perfect example of that. And and if you're a Take-Two shareholder, you got to be thrilled because this was a release that was twice delayed and this was the next franchise. They really needed to build this up to make sure they could sustain success beyond the GTA franchise that they've had so much success with.
1: And and let me give Take-Two a lot of credit. So, one of the complaints about these microtransactions, and it was a huge complaint with another sort of stumbled big release uh, when EA put out Battlefront II, the the Star Wars tie-in game, is, hardcore players want to be rewarded for playing. So, if you can pay extra money and get a funny hat that doesn't change the gameplay but maybe makes you cooler, Hardcore players are okay with that, but they don't want someone like me, who's not a hardcore player, to who has you know is adult and has maybe more money than they do, to be able to spend 40 bucks and all of a sudden be have a character that's better than the one they've put 10,000 hours into. So as much as there have been complaints with the monetary system, they are keeping it in favor of people who put in the time, and that's kind of the core audience for Take Two and Red Dead Redemption.
0: Yeah, and it's clear the reception has been so strong. And this is really the game that Take Two needed. You look at their financials. In fiscal twenty eighteen, the company did bookings of about $2 billion and revenue just over, uh, just under $1.8 billion, I should say. Uh, and they are guiding for fiscal 2019 bookings of 2.8 billion and revenue of 2.6 billion. Uh and that's a real welcome sign because this is a it's a stock that's priced for growth. And after enduring a flat year, basically, uh, investors wanted to see something successful from this franchise, Uh, they've totally delivered. And you look at the guidance that they're providing, they're expecting some serious growth on the back of not only this franchise, but what they're doing with GTA and what they're also doing with their NBA 2K franchise as well.
1: And what's become really exciting is, you know, we talked about the microtransactions, these games are moneymakers years into their life cycle, and sort of as that dies down, it becomes like a movie franchise. They can put out Red Dead Redemption 3 and sort of have this huge base to build off of that's ready for it. So. It's much like we talk about IP intellectual property in the movie business. If you can put together four or five franchises and have sort of that rolling release cycle, you know you'll have a very strong business. and you know this coming out and sort of working is just a major pillar for this comfort for take two.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Red Dead three. I don't think we can seriously talk about that coming out for another five years based on the release calendar <laughs> so far. but I'm sure there are already people dreaming it up Dan.
1: Actually, to, to, to tie our conversation back, uh, the next step for Red Dead Redemption might be next Christmas, a Switch release. Oh, really? It was talked about in – you, you sent me a sort of Q&A with, uh, with uh, I want to say, the president of Nintendo. And he didn't exactly confirm it. But he said when Red Dead Redemption 2 was conceived, the Switch did not exist. So now that the game is out there, it's really a matter of porting it over and sort of figuring out how to, I don't want to say nintendo it, but obviously there's sort of different violence standards and there's kind of different rules for the Nintendo universe. Oh,
2: got it. I was going to say that I would like to see Red Dead Redemption 2 because it's a prequel to 1. I would like to see them... Release a remastered one tie- that ties directly into Red Dead Redemption Two. The map set up for it. It see, looks. I mean, I I just beat it like
0: yesterday. Two or one. Two. So you're ready for more. I'm ready for more. Yeah. Well, the we'll online we'll see. beta
2: just got updated, so we'll see. It's a great game. We'll see it's what awesome. happens.
0: I'm glad that out of the three of us, one of us plays the game. It gives us a little bit of credibility oh, here in the, the studio. the amount of detail
2: <laughs> in the game is. Absurd.
0: So, your holiday wish is to have a game that's never going to happen. Yes. Come to <laughs> light. I'm glad we're setting our expectations pretty reasonably. there's
1: Austin. When it comes out, I'm buying it for you. <laughs> Perfect. Dan, what's on your wish list? I see. I've been married for 18 years. We have a 14 year old. Most of our effort goes into buying gifts for our child. So, Usually, I just tell my wife what I want. This year, I just bought it for myself. So, as you know, I bought an Oculus Go headset, which has been a mild bit of fun. It, uh, it's really cool virtual reality, but there's not much software for it. And I bought myself a Nespresso coffee maker. So, nice. <laughs> so, the, the house is full of gadgets. And the Nespresso makes a very strong cup of coffee. And uh, I like it a lot more than the Keurig, which we've talked about on on many an industry focus
0: so you'll be hopped up on caffeine and playing virtual reality video games during the holidays
1: exactly and all (laughs) the games are the same it's like you you jump out a plane and control your descent using your head like it's very much we're in the early stages of content there is no red dead redemption equivalent or something that you would go oh wow i really want to sit with this headset but it is still sort of cool
0: maybe we'll get there someday um thanks for hopping on dan
1: well, Dylan, what do you want? Oh, if, uh, oh
0: thank
1: still you, time thank to you buy for you a gift. I appreciate
0: you asking. Um, I uh, I've requested a bike rack, uh, something I can put on the back of my bike, so I can get some uh, bags on the back and do some longer rides and kind of get out uh, into the city and have some fun. So that that's really I'm, I could try to keep it simple. I also just buy stuff for myself, so I, I make it kind of hard for people giving me gifts. But that that is first and foremost on my list. Uh, you know, a lot of lot of gear type stuff, that kind of thing. Dan, thanks for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions, or if you want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus at fool.com, or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, or you can catch videos of this podcast over on YouTube. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. I hope he gets his holiday wish. For Dan Klein, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool On.